Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Erin Pym, and what I like to do here on the podcast is welcome fun and sexy guests into the studio to talk about sex and sexuality. Well, you know, with quarantine, that may not be exactly the case right now. I have a lovely person uh, over Skype. They are, oh, they're a, a sexuality and disability speaker, advocate, sex educator, uh, podcaster as well. But, you know, we may or may not like talk about sex stuff, um, and I'm okay with that. I just kind of wanted to create relevant, helpful content if I can do that. So I have one of the loveliest people who is just doing so much even just via Twitter right now as far as letting people know what we need to know right now about quarantine. So without further ado, please welcome over Skype to his mic in his own home, (laughs) Andrew Gerza. Erin Pym, hello. Thank you so much for having me today. Uh, It's so nice to see your face via Skype. It's so nice to be here in these weird, uncertain, fucked up, quarantine times. Oi, right? Like, where do we even begin? Wow, I have feelings. I know. It's, uh, yeah, and and basically why I wanted to have you on. Um, One of your main things that you're saying to everybody via Twitter is like, Listen to disabled people right now. Listen to the people that are, are immunocompromised. Listen to us right now. So that is exactly yeah. what I want everybody to do today on this episode. Yeah, and well, thank you. That's, that wasn't something that I came up with. It wasn't a novel idea of mine. Yeah. It's something that I've been echoing from the community ever since this started. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair, as a disabled person with cerebral palsy, I am immunocompromised. I am at high risk for COVID-19, which... When I found that out, I freaked out for a day and a half. But I yeah. am definitely at high risk, and so I just started like when I when I initially heard about all this way back in December, I thought much like we all did that this would just stay local to China or stay local to where it was where it had started, and it wouldn't go much further. And now it's Everywhere. turned in, into a pandemic, and it's literally it's it's just so scary for me as somebody with with complex care needs it's like what do you do yeah because one of the things that's going to be happening if we don't you know do the thing all the things we're supposed to be doing to flatten the curve is that healthcare won't be available like we won't have enough respirators we won't have enough beds we won't have enough ca- we already caregivers. don't have enough and we're we're not going to have we're already like we're all we were already scrambling before this and one of the things that really kind of scares me as a disabled person is that when I enter a medical space, they already don't know what to do. Right. Before before coronavirus was even a thing, they didn't know how to navigate a disabled person's life yeah. or a disabled person's needs in the hospital or even in the doctor's office. So this really puts me, it really, when I really think about it, and I try really hard right now like to not think about it, but if I sit and I think about it, yeah. it does really scare me because... If I did need to go to the hospital for 
supports because I had COVID or something similar. Yeah. And knowing that they wouldn't know what to do is the most scary because you would think being immunocompromised or having complex disabilities that I would be the first person they would know how to manage. The first type of individual that they would know how to take care of. And what I've learned from my time in hospitals and being hospitalized and being taken care of is that they don't know what they're doing. And that's really scary. And you don't think about it when it's not pandemic time because you're like, oh, they fucked up. It's a hospital, whatever. Like, as a disabled person, you get used to having it be kind of a shit show. Uh, Um, Which is so unfortunate. Like, why do you have to get used to that? That's terrible. Yeah. And I mean... I've gotten used to, like, and I kind of laugh saying shit show because the last time I was in the hospital, I was there for C. diff, and I was shitting myself, like, every 20 minutes. So it literally was a shit show. Um, And I would just laugh because I didn't know, like, there was nothing to do. So they they gave me Netflix and a Wi-Fi password and said, you're stuck in quarantine for, for seven days. Best of luck to you. And, like, they would come and check on you occasionally and change me as I needed. But, like, that was when there was not a pandemic. That was when there was, like, everything was going on as usual. Now I have no idea what it would be like to enter a medical space as a disabled person. And that scares me. Like, I've canceled dental appointments. I've canceled doctor's appointments. I've canceled everything. Not because I don't want to go, but because I'm genuinely scared of if I go and I contract this, the medical system won't know how to help me. Yeah, totally. Like right now, my mom, um, my mom's also immunocompromised. And she had to, I think twice this week had to go to a hospital, like for appointments, that she's been waiting for these appointments for like a year. So she's like, I can't cancel. And she's like, No, I don't want to go to a hospital because I'll, that's so dangerous for me. But she was very scared like to go into a hospital just because of the high risk even though they're all you know they're taking precautions to yeah they're doing what they have to do but there's still a doctor right next to you you know doing whatever for your treatment for whatever you have so there is somebody right next to her giving her shots and stuff like that and it's like it's unavoidable if you if you have to go to a hospital to get something done right now it's unavoidable i mean i'm surprised the hospital didn't call her and say yeah like, me too can we re- can we reschedule because all my doctors called me and said if you if it is not life-threatening if you are not having like acute symptoms where you're going to be in trouble in a minute please don't come in please cancel everything we'll move everything there's no cancellation worries just we'll cancel everything it's fine and so yeah. i'm i'm kind of concerned that they didn't call your mom and say don't come in until july yeah it was um she's in grand bend so it was probably like could have been like a london hospital uh oh that's probably why because the distance maybe yeah but london's still a big city i mean it's it's just weird but okay so why so why don't you tell us then um you're distancing you're isolating you're quarantining what are you currently doing right now um, currently, I, I have attendant care workers coming in every day from okay. where, where I live. So I do have people coming in out of my home to take care of me, but I am very vigilant with, like, the minute you walk in my house, you wash your hands. The minute you exit my house, you wash your hands. The yep. minute that you are going to touch me, you put on a glove. The minute you walk in here, you put on a mask. Like, yeah. 
And I, it's funny because I used to think as a disabled person when a care provider did this for me, I was like, oh, I was offended because I was like, oh, you think I'm dirty, you think I'm sick, like you think. Now, it's almost like if you're not wearing it, I have a problem. Why are you not doing this? Like, yeah. so I will, I have gone on Amazon and I bought a couple masks for the staff that I see and I've said, like, I will, I'll provide them for you, I'll provide gloves, I'll provide all the things you need to stay safe because everybody is scared right now everybody is concerned and so i have done for my quarantining i also put in a indwelling catheter which for people that don't may not know what it is that's that's when you put a catheter in your body for an extended period of time if you're in the hospital or something sometimes they do that um i've put it in for the next month or two Mm -hmm. just so that i don't have to worry about somebody touching me and helping me regularly yeah i can if i can minimize that as much as possible that's what i want to do yeah so to be clear to people you need to have contact with people on a on a constant basis basically yeah i can social distance like people think you're supposed to yeah i can do it as much as i can and i can do i can do it through the cancellation of events and the cancellation of things and that's that's what i'm doing but I can't do it as in, like, I can't, I have to have people touch me. Yeah, every so day it, you have care, care workers yeah, coming in. Yeah. Consistently, like, at least four or five times a day. Yeah. There's a lot of fear from the workers. And I remember they sent out a memo, the management sent out a memo saying, it would be good for you to have um, a backup plan. And I had to go down to their office and have a meeting with them saying, my mom lives 45 minutes away and we don't have accessibility in their house and there's no way that I can stay there for extended periods of time so I had to remind them that like I don't have a backup plan you're it so if something happens and your staff are unable to come in you're gonna have to start calling relief staff and figuring out how to do that and like because I don't have an option so I've had to spend a lot of time with the staff just letting them know that like this is what I need and and there are people in this building who don't have who don't have family and you're it. So there's been a lot of that. But there's also been a lot of, like, reassuring the care workers that we, we're we thankful for them. Because without them, we couldn't have our day-to-day stuff. So even though there are moments where they piss me off and I'm like, fuck, I don't want to deal with this today. Like, you were really annoying and you were super annoying me. But I also have to remember, like, without you right now, I wouldn't be able to get up and have my day. Another thing that you mentioned, um, that you've, you bought some masks, you bought some glo- gloves to have... Uh all that kind of stuff on hand, I'm happy that you were able to get them because aren't people, isn't there a huge shortage of masks because people are buying them who don't need them and they're hoarding products like that. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of social media posts right now from people with immunocompromised relatives who need that stuff regularly being like, please, you don't, we really truly don't need 85,000 boxes of gloves. You can maybe get two for the week and you'll be good. Same with hand sanitizer, same with baby wipes, stuff that disabled people have, need, have needed as accessibility needs for a long time. Please don't take yeah. it away from them. They need it. And it, it's something that I know we're scared, but a horde buying it isn't going to change the fact that if Corona is going to come for you, it's going to come for you. So yeah, totally. there's nothing we can do about that. And I realize it's a comfort thing. Like I realize buying 85 boxes of gloves is maybe a comfort to you, but that doesn't help. Yeah, it doesn't help other people who really need it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Something you tweeted about recently that I loved. Oh, dear. What did I tweet? Oh, what'd you tweet now, Andrew? Um, Oh, no. no. (laughs) 
Follow me on Twitter at Andrew underscore Gerza. Um, it's a great time. It's You're so good on Twitter. You are. Disability boys, beards, and shit. Yeah, that's my thing. <laughs> uh, something that uh, kind of opened up my eyes and was like, oh my God, he's so right, was um, we can learn from disabled people right now about patience. Yeah. Being patient. Yeah. I tweeted that actually this morning, like a couple hours ago, yeah. I love um, that. I was like, oh my god, yes, because we're all just kind of sitting around waiting right now. We're sitting around with this weird, intense, and I'll, it, you know, it feels like we're all sitting with this big albatross on our chest, being like, What's, what, what, what do we do? But we can't do anything, but it's there. The feeling is there, but you can't do anything. It's like, all those times people would say, like, something tragic happened and there's nothing I could do, that's what it feels like. Yeah. Like, we don't know what to do. And so I'm, and I, I have to practice this myself. I have to remember to be patient with my care workers. Yeah. I have to remember to be calm. I have to remember to be, because if I get upset, my immune system goes down and then I could be susceptible to the thing. So I'm trying really hard to just, I'm doing a lot of meditation. I'm doing a lot of like, what are the things that make me happy that I was always worried about before? Like, I'm doing a whole bunch of different episodes mm-hmm. on my podcast about COVID. Yeah. Just because I think the more we talk about it, the more... It takes away the fear. I'm also going to do a bunch of episodes on my show about, um, like, murder mystery stuff. Stuff that I wouldn't normally do that I'm like, oh, we have all this time now. Let's just do May whatever. As well. Yeah, totally. I'm thinking the same thing. I'm like, let's... Because at one point, I uh, was... When, when my husband and I decided, like, oh, we're going to basically quarantine. Like, you can't have people over anymore to do podcasts. And... Uh, and I was like, oh, you're right. Like, at one point, I considered that fairly low risk. But he was like, you know, you should probably not do that. You should probably do them remotely. And I was like, no, yeah, you're right. I'm like, maybe I'll take a break from my podcast. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like. Yeah, no, because people, I, and I thought about the same thing, too. Yeah. I was like, maybe I'll take a couple of weeks off. And then I was like, no, people need this right now. Yeah. They need someone's voice that they trust and know yeah. to have a laugh with them, to give them something to listen to, to give them something to feel some sense of normalcy. Because I thought about, yeah. I'm just going to stop. And everyone was like, no, no, your show's like vital for me right now. Please don't totally. stop doing it. And I was like, oh, that's a lot of pressure. But <laughs> I'm like, all right, sure. Yeah, like, but it also turns out to be like, oh, I'm glad I didn't stop for me as well. So do you feel the same? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I do. I feel like also it provides... This is providing me a ton of different content ideas that I didn't have before. That yeah. I was like, oh, I can turn that into an episode. I can turn that into an episode. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So, okay. So, sorry, to continue on this idea of patience, what what I got from that tweet of yours was like, um, when I think about my life, I usually have access to everything I want and desire at a moment's notice like I have a craving for something I'm gonna go fucking get that candy bar or something like I want to you know what I mean I I want to go spoil myself and go do something nice for myself I can go do that I want to get together like go out to a big event and have fun and drink I I can do that you could do that you can't anymore exactly and that's the thing so usually able-bodied folks have everything they fucking want at a moment's notice and you don't have to wait for shit right but yeah. your reality isn't like that like e- before this even 
you gotta wait for your care attendants. You gotta wait. And you've you've been to my house and yeah. you've seen kind of what it is that I have to do. And you like you've seen me say to you, Kayla, I gotta I gotta wait for this and I gotta wait for this. Yeah. And, like you and me and Dick Wound have like been in the same space where I've needed to say to the two of you, like, hey, I want to do this thing, but I gotta wait for this person because I gotta put on my coat or I gotta do this. Yep. So like, you've seen it, and I think what I'm learning is that patience is something we have to constantly be be working on. Yeah. And I am constantly like, even before this, okay, the attendant's gonna come, someone's gonna be there, like, but it does because you have to wait on somebody. Like the good thing about being quarantined right now and actually putting the catheter in, yeah. as much as I feel kind of emasculated right now with it in. I also know that I can drink as much water as I want. I can be as hydrated as I want because I don't have to worry about, oh my God, I have to pee. I have to wait for somebody. Before, yeah. I'd have to wait for somebody to come help me relieve my bladder. Yeah. And, now, and now I can just pee. Yeah. So there's, there is some sort of, there's some tiny silver linings. But yeah, I'm just, I just think we need to remember that like, one of the things I said in that tweet was, take whatever helps being offered, even if it isn't 100% of what you wanted, because yeah. that teaches us also that sometimes you're not going to get what you want. Yep. You're going to get what you need. Yep. And sometimes that's more important. Exactly. And I think, like, what's happening with people that have, you know, like myself, been basically quarantined for, like, a week at this point, let's say, able-bodied people are, like, losing their fucking minds, you know, that they can't leave their house, that they can't go out and drink with friends, that they can't do all these things that, what, that we used to be able to do so easily. We can't go get that fucking candy bar. We can't... We can't go get that fuck either because, like... Oh, no, like, yeah. I can't get that D, which can't is, you know... get that D, baby. Yeah. Which is, you know, something for me that I'm really... And I, I work pretty predominantly with sex workers, and I remember that my primary sex worker, John, mm-hmm. who I work with, um, we texted each other and just said, you know what? For the next month or so, let's just pause all of our sessions. Yeah. Let's we'll, we'll honor them when things are are good again. Yeah. But let's just pause everything right now until we know what's going on because we respect and care about each other. And I, you know, being somebody that works with sex workers, I've seen a lot, and I understand that it's it's a gig economy, and you got to make your money and yeah. to live. And I get that. And for some, it's survival. But I would would really say that if you're working in sex work, you should pause right now just for everyone's safety because we don't know yeah if you can if you can then don't do in-person sex work right now if you can if yeah yeah totally i mean if if it's survival and you need to and i i get it yeah but i just feel like for the worker's safety and for the client's safety for everyone's safety if you can totally do like cam sessions if you can do like you know how does how does that affect your lady pim stuff like is it looking are you looking into doing stuff that is more digital-based? Definitely. It's a huge shift for me. Luckily, I I have always done, like, phone domination, texting domination, Skype sessions, uh, content I sell. I do custom videos as well. So I have always done those things, but my main source of income was always the in-person sessions, right? So I think I'm lucky that... I, my sex work was slightly diversified um, beforehand because, uh, you know, now I just have that part, that whole big section of my income taken away. So luckily, I am still making a portion of my income 
I'm definitely not making half as much as I was. Definitely not. But it it's difficult because a lot of sex workers are trying to make that transition. Like they literally have not had an OnlyFans before or not done a Skype session before. Like and I'm and thinking about doing OnlyFans. Exactly. Like, yeah, I'm thinking of doing one because I'm like, I don't know. I, I need something I need incoming. Something to support my income. And so like, I think that, well, one of the things that I'm, I'm actually kind of glad about all this stuff is that it's teaching people mm-hmm. what disabled people have known all along. That's what I'm getting at. Exactly. With this patience mm-hmm. thing. Totally. Like, it's teaching you what we've known forever. And so, like, you can do everything online. And one of the tweets that I saw somebody in the world tweeted, I don't know who it was, but it went on, it went viral on my social media for a while. It was, I guess we are going to see which meeting could actually be an email. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, which <laughs> meetings could be conference calls. What classes you actually can conduct online. You can. It's teaching us that all this stuff people said no to. Yes, you can totally do it online. And I am. I'm actually working on finding a way. I want. I mean, I might want to talk to you when we're done this because I. I do want to find a way to move all of my stuff. Yeah. Online, so that even after this, because projections of COVID nineteen are that it's going to be hit us hard for the next two years. Everything that I'm seeing is like where you're fucked for a good long time. Wow. So, like. It's making me think about how am I going to do what I do. And I'm a speaker, so I go out and I give talks, and I love doing that. But how do you do that and still justify, for instance, when I talk, my my rate for 90 minutes was 2500 bucks. How do you justify that cost when you know that, like, nobody can make money? Like, our whole idea of capitalism is going to topple, which is both amazing but also scary because, like, how do you ask for what you're worth when nobody has anything to give you? <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah. And that's another thing. It's like for like in the sex worker community, it's like some people have started to obviously offer discounts because the thing with sex work is that it's kind of for you. It's not. Okay. This might be an interesting com- conversation. What I was going to say is sex work for most people is a luxury and people don't have expendable income right now. So they don't yeah. have the money they may used to kind of drop as a treat for a special thing. Um, yeah. They don't have that money anymore. So that's going to be dried up. But for you, it's actually kind of an essential service, isn't it? It is. I mean, I mean, and so to not have it and to not have that every two weeks of contact yeah. and that two weeks of touch and that two weeks of like, I want to just be a dirty slut for an hour. Yeah. Can, you, can you provide that for me <laughs> yeah. to not have that? Like me and me and John, my primary sex worker, will text occasionally to make sure the other one's okay and how are you doing? How's your mental health? Like that's kind of nice because we're building a friend. Like a, a rapport. A friendly. Yeah. We're building more of our rapport, which we, we had anyway, but... I kind of liked having the ability to be like, ooh, I get to see you in, you know, X amount of days and we get to do this. And yeah. like now it's like, I might see you in July, August. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, no one's sure. And it's, that's, I feel for also disabled sex workers who may have been using the sex work industry as a way to survive, literally. Yeah. And so I feel for them. Um, I feel for disabled clients of non-disabled sex workers yep. who, again, want want and need that touch. It is really essential. So I would urge sex workers of disabled clients to keep in contact with their clients 
um, as frequently as you can, just to say hey, just to check in, send, send them a dirty text, make them feel like yeah. they still have value. Because a lot of a lot of disabled people right now are doing things like cathetering, yeah, um, like I was doing, self quarantining stuff that is like not necessarily the sexiest. So to get a little ping from the dude that like helps me get off yeah. makes me feel oh uh, okay, I still have like some sexy value there. Yeah, because um, I know I know you very well, so I know your brand is like uh, is like a disabled dicksmith is like you know like that's right. Being sexy is a huge part of your brand and and a big part of your identity, right? So yeah, to have that to not be able to have access to that it must be difficult. It's really hard because I don't have access and I don't know when I'll have access again. Yeah, and. Like, there's not a lot of research right now on how COVID and sex work together or don't work together. So I'm concerned about... I'm also concerned about after all this is said and done and we figured out what to do, will there be a sense of underlying ableism around Mm. someone who looks sick? Will we think that someone who looks sick not only has whatever they already have, but will we assume they are sick because they have COVID? And will we distance ourselves from them out of fear? So my, a big worry that I have is, will disabled people be thrown under the bus again because of this virus? Wow. And will anybody with a, with a respiratory illness be seen as enemy number one, even after this has been figured out? Yeah. Will they be seen as somebody to avoid? And so... I don't talk about that very often because I don't want to think about it, but if I really sit and think about it, that's something that I've worried about since the beginning of all this. Wow. I am, and that's something I didn't even think about. You're so, you're so right. It has long-lasting repercussions. Like that, that It's going gonna, it's gonna to really have a real... I'm hoping not, and I really pray that it isn't true, yeah. but I hope that... I think that it's going to make disabled people, anytime a disabled person coughs... Yep. From now on, they're going to be treated like enemy number one. Yeah, totally. And what do you do with that? Like, you, I think you just mobilize disability harder. Like, but one of the things that I want to see from our officials that I haven't seen across any country right now, mm-hmm. I haven't seen any official stand up on any podium. I haven't seen Trudeau do it. I haven't seen Trump do it. I haven't seen anybody do it. Stand up and say, Disabled people, immunocompromised people, we're going to do something for you. Yeah. We're going to do something for you specifically. Let me talk directly to you. I want to see that because because no everyone has been doing stuff for like everybody right now, and I get it, and it's important. And I've seen like artists get all these big GoFundMe things that popped up, mm-hmm. um, but I haven't seen anything directly related to disabled people with little income. So I am working on something with a friend of mine on something called the Disabled Freelancers Fund. I'm going to see if I can get something, just some, I don't know. I don't know if it'll be a lot of money. I don't know if it'll be a little bit of money because nobody has money right now. But I want something done specifically for disabled people right now. I think we need to be front and center of these conversations. Yeah. Um, and we're not. We are in the social sphere because a lot of us are like, fuck you, I'm going to get on a podcast and like, talk about this. But I haven't heard an official say, like, I give a shit about your life. Yeah. Let's talk about this. And that's that's really disheartening to me is that you you would still 
and you know one of my own internalized ableist things that I that I that I can bring to light is sometimes when I read about a COVID death right now mm-hmm. and I see they were in their seventies or eighties, my own internalized ableism will go, "Oh, that's okay," which is totally wrong and gross and horrible. Right? It, they're still a person. They still have they have a life. They didn't deserve this, and so my worry is that. When we say things like, oh, it's just an elderly person, yeah. or it's an immunocompromised person, like, there's this sense of, like, you don't think I matter. Yeah. You don't think that my life has value. And so my worry is that disabled people are going to start to die, mm-hmm. and nobody's going to really care because it's just a disabled person. Yeah, right now, like, in the media, it's the stats. It's just, you're a stat, you're a number, you know? Yeah. We're not hearing from disabled people we're not seeing their faces we're not getting to know them and know about their lives it's a you're a statistic yeah and we're hearing about them in disability circles like if you go on disability twitter that's all the fuck we're talking about yeah exactly if you if you go on my all of my content that's all the fuck i'm talking about because like i have commissioned a bunch of like separate episodes about covid just to get the temperature of the disabled community because people are fucking scared and I want to do something I want to get back but like the 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 international conversation is not disabled and elderly people matter it's no it's like oh you're 75 of course you would die from COVID no big deal yeah I think it's kind of the way it's talked about in just like mainstream media not like disabled Twitter disabled media is that um it's it's that will be the outcome that's like an accepted repercussion of this it's an accepted outcome like like you should be prepared for elderly people to pass away during this for disabled folks to die during this that's a product of this of covid like well not that's not even covid that's just Everything. Ableism that's been there, like that's been there for centuries that we've yeah. pretended that isn't there. All of a sudden, now that there's a emergency, all that stuff is coming to light again. Yeah, and no one's calling it that, but that's what it is. And like, we need to remember that if if we put and I put something on my Twitter that, like an hour ago that was like, we need disabled people in power right now because yeah, if a disabled person was in power anywhere in the world, this conversation might look drastically different. Hey everyone, I want to tell you a little bit about our new sponsor, Hi. Now, Hi, that's H-I-I-I, is a dating app with icebreaker games and quizzes for creative, fun, and interesting people, just like yourselves. What I like about the app is that the games give you something to talk about and also show off your personality in the process, so it's a little bit like getting to know somebody over your favorite board game. My favorite game to play on the app is Exquisite Corpse, so that's the one where you draw a picture together. So basically every match that I get, I'm sending the first half of a drawing and I'm asking them to draw the second half for me. And you get this fun little picture, I'm absolutely obsessed with doing this. The other fun thing is that you can take a quiz that I wrote for Bedpost. It's called What Sex Toy Are You? And uh, I gotta tell you, I had a lot of fun writing it. So what you can do is go on over to HIII.com, that's HIII.com slash The Bedpost to download the app, take our quiz, and also just so they know we sent you.
Oasis Aqua Lounge is a water-themed sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. Oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame-free when it comes to pleasure and play. Check them out at their website, oasisaqualounge.com. Unicorn Collaborators is the local leather business of two queer unicorns. They specialize in luxurious and colorful harnesses for all body types, and even craft non-conventional ones for your thigh, fist, or foot. Check them out at their Etsy shop under Unicorn Collaborators. Lovecrafters Toys is a non-gendered fantasy sex toy line that makes weird and wonderful dildos in the shape of tentacles, unicorn horns, mermaid tails, and more. Their high-quality silicone is hand-poured right here in Toronto. Check out their Etsy shop at Lovecrafters Toys. ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. So are you able to tell me, like, what in your life, your daily life has changed? Like, are you super social? Do you go out and whatnot? And now that's taken away from you? Like, what's what's difficult for you about the change? I mean, not really. I've, I'm always kind of... I've always kind of been an introvert, and you know, from hanging out with me a little bit, I, I like my space. I like being in my... Because it's the most accessible space for me. So... I was never a big partier. I was never a big going outer. Like, I've never have been. I always thought that I wanted to be, and as I get older, I just don't fucking care anymore. So I'm like, oh, let's just throw on some Netflix and whatever. So, like, that part hasn't changed. What's changed is, like, I don't have access to, to D. I don't have access to, like, to just having someone to come over and make me come for an hour like I don't, I don't have that. Which I and I know that sounds super trivial, given what we were. No, oh my god, it's not. It's not at all. Anybody that's kind of separated, and this is the thing. Like anyone right now that is separated from a partner knows what you're talking about right now. Like after a week, we're all like, I'm literally losing my mind. <laughs> like I need to get fucked so bad right now. Like I just want to put my dick in somebody right now. And also like, I'm also before this and I'll be play blunt because whatever. I was also dealing with genital warts. So I already couldn't do that. So I'm like, oh fuck. Well now everything is like fuckery. And I was supposed to go to the doctor and get cream to fix it. And now the doctor's like, just wait till whenever. And I'm like, well, but when, like when, ha, but you don't understand. Like I what? just need That's somebody. Not, I, oh God. Like I just want somebody to suck my D and I can't do that until all this is like, can somebody help? Oh, fuck. Yeah. I fucking hear you. I go through everything. Like I've had so many things. <laughs> like even just stuff that like isn't STI related. Like I just, I have chronic yeast infection. I have chronic um, bacterial vaginosis. I have chronic UTIs. Like all that, yep. like constantly, yep. you know, so I fucking hear I have you. chronic IBS. I have yeah. like all that stuff. So all that stuff already I was managing. I was doing pretty well. And I was like, I would get my dick every couple of weeks and I was, I was quite pleased. Yeah. And sometimes... <laughs> I would splurge for, like, new dick, and it was kind of <laughs> nice. But now it's, like, now all the, like, go-tos that I would really rely on, and I would really, like, I would enjoy myself, and I would feel, it made me feel sexy. And now 
Like, I'm just worried that it's going to change the way... It's going to change the way I have sex forever. It's going to change the way we have sex as a society forever. Or we have touch forever. Like, I'm really concerned that we're in a moment of history. And we're all kind of, like, playing, like, Oh, no, it's whatever. It'll be whatever. But we are... Like, this is going to change the way the world sees stuff. Yeah, this is something I was talking about with uh, Andrea Warehunt on the podcast recently. She's, she's a former escort and a current stripper, dancer. Um, and she's concerned that this is going to change sex work, like permanently forever change sex work so that it's more virtual uh, and done by remote. What do you think? Do you, do you agree? I definitely agree. I think it's going to really splinter the way we do things. Um, and that's that's just it. It's both good on what, in one sense because it will allow for for virtual stuff to be taken more seriously and like maybe change that way in a good way but it's really bad because like I like to touch the dudes that I fuck I like to mess around like I like to um be I'm very tactile when I'm with a lover and so if I don't get to do that like it's that's the thing right now it's like we're all feeling that like skin hunger yes yes Skin hunger. Somebody, somebody put that up, and I heard that. I heard that phrase a couple years ago, and I was like, "Oh, it's really cool." I'll put it in the back of my mind. And then somebody brought it up again during all this, and I was like, "That's exactly what it oh, is." Oh my god! Yeah, totally. Like just physical contact. Like if you're one of your top love languages is physical closeness. Like, it's like let me put my fingers in your mouth, or let me touch your arm, or let yeah. me, like, you know... Rub your back, like... Yeah, it doesn't even have to be overtly yeah. sexual. It can just be... We can't even do that, and, like... It's just intimacy, physical closeness and intimacy, yeah. And that's gonna change, and I'm, uh, like, I'm kind of... We all kind of make a joke about social distancing, and I've made some jokes about how, like, my my current grinder and scruff app name is social distancing because <laughs> it's funny and why not but like i am concerned that this language is going to start being used commonplace and like how will that change like i was saying how will that change how disabled people are treated how will that change how the immunocompromised are treated how will that change our views on togetherness like yeah. and it's funny you don't think that you're going to feel the way you feel about this yeah. thing until you I feel it. I thought I'd be fine. Oh my god. I'm I'm an introvert. I love staying at home. Yeah. I'm a homebody. Me too. Yep. And I'm like, no problem. I got this. But you don't realize until you're in it exactly how you're saying that you do have so many like little moments in your day where you're like, I want to go to the bank just for a break in my day. Or I want to, you know, go get this food that I'm craving. Or I, I want to see this person that I... want to go to a movie and I want to just yeah. grab some popcorn. And I want to just, like, you can't do that. Like, Not anymore. No, and it's, it's scary how so much inaction, not so much in Canada, but especially in the U.S., yeah, yeah. so much inaction by the government. It's like, you have to do something. Or you're going to lose a swath of your population, and then what the fuck are you going to do? Because the, this whole thing, like, why, why I want to do this episode with you is so people could get an idea of, like, what, why we're doing this. Like, who we're doing this for. Like, all the, all the quarantining. And, like, why we shouldn't go out. And why it's important to, even though when we're feeling anxious as fuck, 
to get that dick. Like, don't do it. Stay home. To answer the first part of your question, who are we doing this for? Think about me. Think about, like, think about your grandmother. Think about your grandparents. Think about your friend with an invisible disability who, you know, does who doesn't show have markers of disability, but is definitely immunocompromised. Think about if it were you. Think about if you had a disability and all these people around you said, I don't care, how would you feel about that? Like, think, put it on yourself. And if it were you, what would you do to survive? Anything, right? So this is what you can do for me. Like, I started a little mini campaign on my Twitter, which didn't go very far, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. I started a thing called, like, stay home, save a life. Yeah. It's true, because we're, I think, able-bodied folks, young able-bodied folks are like, I'm healthy, I'm going to fucking go out. I don't have COVID, I'm going to go out. But that doesn't mean shit. You could have it and be an asymptomatic... Yeah, you don't even know. Yeah. You and I could have it right now, we don't know, at least we're quarantining, but we don't, what I'm saying is like we don't know. So like To tell you the truth, I probably did have it, because I was sick about uh, a month ago, with a cough, a dry cough, didn't get a sore throat. I just suddenly had this dry cough. I was very fatigued. And then about a week later, my husband got it even worse. Very, very, very fatigued. Same thing, a cough. Uh, and he's kind of just getting over it now. And like... Wow, you probably did. I, like we probably fucking did. So me thinking, oh, it's just a cold or I just have a cough or it's not COVID. I, I don't have most of the symptoms that it's saying. You don't fucking know that. You stay don't have the symptoms. If we di- yeah, if we don't stay home, here's what's going to happen. Not only are we going to have community spread, not only are we going to have all these things, the virus could fucking mutate. We don't know. Yeah. So like this thing could change again. Yeah. And so we need to be really cognizant. And how many times before this happened did people say, oh, man, I wish I could just stay home. I, wish I, could just, I just want, I want to go to work today. Yeah. I wanted to stay yeah. home. Like, this is your chance to do that. <laughs> just fucking do it. The universe has given you this chance and said, "Yeah, here you go. Here it is. You can do this Complaining now. about being burnt out all the time. <laughs> like... Take that fucking two o'clock nap because what else are you doing? It's fine. So like, I just want I want to urge non-disabled people and people who are not symptomatic right yeah. now to just remember that that in this moment you have the chance to save someone's life, really and truly you do. And this is how you do it: stay home, read a book, listen to Disability After Dark, listen to the Bedbugs podcast, <laughs> listen, like like support. Us on Patreon, patreon.com slash disability after dark. Like, you know, do, you know, do, but honestly, I spoke to some, I spoke to two friends who I never speak to yesterday over Zoom and we talked both of us for an hour and it was really nice to connect. Like, it really is a chance to be like, oh, we haven't spoken in five years. Yeah. Let's fire up that Skype and have a chat. Totally. I got on Skype with my mom. Like, we usually just, like, kind of call, like, once a week. That's what we usually do. But I was like, put on your Skype. And we were, like, Skyping while making our dinner together. Like, it was nice. <laughs> it's cute, though. Like, it's just, it's great. And my mom has said, like, well, you know, we're going to, I'm going to go over to her place on Tuesday. And we're going to just sit and watch movies together. And, like, there's something kind of really sweet about this time because it allows you to really think about others and the to those young kids who are like I don't think I have it 
it isn't about you. Yeah. I don't care if you don't think you have it. Because if you spread it to your mom or your dad and they die because you're an idiot, like, how are you going to feel about that? Yeah, because you needed to go to a bar, like, before the bars were closed. You needed to go get wasted. So was it worth it? Yeah, like, you need to go on that big trip on the plane. Like, some of the stories that I'm hearing of those of those young people who... There was a guy in the star, and he went to... Uh, he went to some gay party event, and he came back from his trip, and he was feeling tired and feeling kind of run down. The next thing he knew, he was in the ICU at Toronto General, like, really sick and, like, could have died. And it was like, well, you know what? They told you before you left this was not a good idea, and you didn't listen. Like... My mom says a lot of the time, and we've been talking a lot about this, she says, like, all those fucking millennials, like, oh, man. And we we would always kind of laugh at her, like, oh, no, mom, it's not like that. But now I'm I'm so on board with her about that. It's like, yeah, those fucking kids. (laughs) Like, no, just stay home. Don't go anywhere. Just think about someone else for a change. We all talk about in this generation how we want to give back and how we want to do all these things and how we want to be supportive everybody. This is the exact time when we need that, all those hollow platitudes people say, we need them right now. Yeah, and honestly, staying home is not that fucking hard. Like, you know, people went, people get drafted to go to war. We're just asking you to stay in your fucking apartment. It's, you can masturbate all you want. It's, you, like, yeah, like, think of it like this. You can jerk <laughs> off. Think about it. I can't jerk All off, day but you long. could. Yeah, I have a catheter <laughs> at my pee hole, so there's no way that I'm jerking off. But you could totally get off <laughs> if you so chose to do that. Um, <laughs> exactly. You can watch porn all day long. Yeah, and you know, no one is gonna. And stop I think you. a lot of porn is free right now because all those discounts are OnlyFans, so you can probably get a, a lot of discounted dick, which is I hate. a dick count. I'm alright with that. <laughs> a dick count. <laughs> So, okay, with talking about all this, Andrew, I'm wondering your take on, like, what, where is the line between talking about this um, and getting information out there and getting disabled stories out there and whatnot, the line between that and, like, creating more fear, like fear-mongering? That's a great question. I don't know where the line I, is. I, I don't know if I have... I don't have an answer. I, I'm just like... You know what I mean? Because I want to create content that's like helping people and I want you to be heard and your story to be heard. And I want to talk about the real risks and... But I, I don't want to fear monger. I think we have to fear monger a little bit right now. I think we have to yeah. make people scared to, to so that they take action. But at the same time... You know what? You're right. You're totally right. It, like, wouldn't you much rather err on the side of being too cautious? Yeah. Right now, I totally would. Like, right yeah. now, like, yes, I want to go suck all the dicks in Toronto right now. I really, <laughs> what I would give to give somebody a great blowjob. But I know I can't do that. And, like, I'm a master at blowjobs. So if anybody in Toronto <laughs> who likes men who is a man, is, or who is male identified, is listening... And watch that later. Let me know. But no, what I'm yep. saying is like, I want to do all that, but I would much rather say, you know what? I, you know what? Let's not. Let's just for everyone's safety and for everybody's sanity. Let's not. I think that, but we can, we can temper that with funny posts, like weird yeah. things you can do during quarantine or like, you know, we can temper that with, um, I'm going to do this thing that I have been 
that I did a couple years ago when I was in college, like ten years ago. I did this thing called spastic dancing, where okay. I, I went on YouTube and I like lip I lip synced to a song really badly, <laughs> and I just danced in my wheelchair for five minutes. So <laughs> I'm gonna go on like Instagram Live and just do that because it's fun. Like just yeah. silly things that are like. About the quarantine, but also not about the quarantine, and it, it's just a part of our life now. Like, but I do think a healthy dose of fear is necessary now because we've been living in this bubble of like it won't happen to me. Well, guess what? It's happening to us right now. So like, yes. we need to, especially those young people, we need to scare them into doing something. And if that means like giving them information so they're scared, so they so they listen, then good. good. Like I I think that seeing the police say we're gonna charge you you know a thousand dollars if you don't comply to the to the social distancing thing i'm like good good because if they they'll be scared enough to not yeah exactly i think a lot of what trudeau has done is like i'm urging you to do this i'm recommending you to do this and it's like dude just make some hard and fast rule because people don't People don't care if it's just kind of this vague suggestion. Yeah, they need they're not going to do it. No, but people if you make it law, if you make it yeah. a law for the time being. Also, I feel like with Trudeau, especially given that his wife contracted it. Yeah. Why aren't you more hardline? Your wife contracted it. Yeah. Shouldn't you be scared for not only for her but your kids, for yourself, for anyone that your family comes in contact? You're you're a public leader. Shouldn't you be? I just think it's irresponsible for him to... Like, I've seen some of his news conferences I've watched, and I'm just like, you're so laissez-faire about it. Why aren't you more... Like, be a little bit scary about it, Trudeau. Like, you're the camera... You're the, like, camera whore of a prime minister we have. This is your time to shine. (laughs) But you can be a camera whore and and say something good. (laughs) I agree. Yeah, I'm sure it's all related to... You know our political relationships with the with the states and with Trump, right? Like, well, that's why he didn't close the borders to Americans because he went. That's totally why. Yeah, like, of course it is. So yeah, I think the latest was that they've they have closed it between the U.S. and Canada for all non-essential travel. But again, that's like another like vague like. So what's considered essential? Yeah, what, like, I do I do want to know like what is essential travel like? Yeah, what, like because. You know, I could really go down to, to Palm Beach right now and use some dick. Is that essential travel? Like, what? No, but what I'm saying is, like, they need to be clear about their parameters, and they're not. Yeah, exactly. Is there anything, like, any last kind of thoughts that that we haven't covered yet, maybe? I just think nothing that we haven't covered. I'm just going to reiterate it. Think about invisible disabled people, too. So people with mental health stuff, people with... Uh, autoimmune illnesses that you can't see people with all that think about them too because they're important and they're going through think about people with mental health stuff people with like anxiety people with like um bipolar people who are going through this alone are having trouble sleeping are having trouble managing are having trouble dealing with these in, in with these disabilities that people don't see um and we need to remember them too, and so I'm very cognizant of that community right now. What can we do to help people, uh, that, like loved ones that we have with, like di- with, that are disabled or who have invisible disabilities? What can we d- be doing to help them? Call right them. Now? Call. 
like phone them, go on Skype, sit with them for extended periods of time if if they want to and if they're able to. Like sit with them and just be yeah. there and just say, hey, if you ever need to call me, if it's three in the morning and you can't sleep, I'm here. Like I have thought about even offering my cell phone number just on social media, which is terrifying. Which is insane. But like, <laughs> but like I've thought about it because people need somebody to to. People are just scared, and a lot of a lot of disabled people don't have anybody who's also disabled to talk to. So I know that you have certain um, you, Aaron, have certain things that you can contribute in this area. So that maybe you could say like, "Hey, people with similar <laughs> things that I have, if you need somebody to talk to, like I'm here. Yeah. Like if you need somebody to talk to about this, I'm here. Like a lot of the people that I'm speaking to on my quarantine and chill series on my show." I'm texting them repeatedly after the show being like, hey, do you need something? Do you know? Do you want a friendship call? Do you want, like, this? Do that for your disabled friends because they often won't ask for help because we've been taught to be strong and silent and power through Yeah. when a lot of us are suffering inside or scared inside. So building that community online, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful that a lot of these friendships we're building online will become, once things are sort of good again, Maybe it'll become long-lasting real friendships. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. And what about stuff like picking up groceries for people, hygiene products, stuff like that? Like, Yeah, I would say do that for them, but wear a glove, wear a mask. Maybe yeah. don't come into their house. Maybe say, can I leave it outside? Or if you have to come in, like wear a glove, wear a mask, wash your hands in their, in their, in their bathroom and get out. Yeah. Like don't hang around too long just for their safety. Um, I use Instacart right now. Like I'm using like What's that? order it's a Instacart is like a virtual grocery shopping thing. So you go online, you click you click the things you want yeah. and then some person, some great person will go and get it for you and bring it to your house. So like that's great and I do that. But if you can't do that, definitely ask your friends and family um, to bring you supplies, but get them to wear a glove. Be very vigilant about it right now. I don't care if they think it's nothing, whatever. It's for your health, not for theirs. Yeah, exactly. And, like, don't let them, like, try to come in to hug you. <laughs> like, I know it's hard to refuse a hug, people. Like, I, know- I don't know what I'm going to do on Tuesday when my mom's like, you want to go when I go home and see her and she's going to want to hug me and we're both going to be like, oh, uh, I guess we can't do that anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What are, that's a great thing to bring up. Like, so if we're going to go, you know, and be with our parents at this time, what, how do we do that? Should like, should we be taking any precautions? What can we I do? I would say like the minute I get to my mom's house, I'm going to say to her, can I wash my hands? Can you wash your hands? Can we wash our hands together? Like, I don't know, maybe making like, we've seen all these celebrities do like those coronavirus hand washing videos. Yeah. Maybe you could make one with your parents. Like maybe we could make oh. one with our folks, make it like a family thing you do together now, which, which really we all should have been doing this anyway, but we're, but nobody thinks about that. Nobody thinks we're going to get these kind of illnesses. Maybe if we had all washed our hands all the time <laughs> way before this, coronavirus would never be where it is. I don't know. Yeah, I would love for, um, you know, we're talking about things that might change permanently after coronavirus. I hope proper hand washing techniques will be one of them, that people will just now wash their hands properly in the future. <laughs> I do want to mention, though, that a lot of hand washing 
the way people wash their hands is not often accessible to yes. disabled people. Like, tell me. Okay, I, tell me. I can't wash my hands. So the idea of going up to a sink, turning on the water, spritzing some soap on your hands, doing the 20 seconds of rubbing, with, that sounded sexy for a minute, but doing the 20, <laughs> 20 seconds of like... <laughs> Doing the 20 seconds of proper hand washing, you know, I can't do that. So I have to do things like I bought a bunch of gauze from my medical supplier for my catheter. And so I have to get the the care worker to like, to take the gauze and to like wash one hand, wash another hand, dry it with a gauze. And so, or you can get a basin, you can get a big basin put it on your lap, put some warm yep. water in it, and just let it sit there, which is kind of nice. It's like... It's kind of like a little we spa were, day. Yeah, remember when we were kids and we would like, oh, I want to play with the water. It's like that. And <laughs> I kind of like it because I used to love being that as a kid. I want to play with the with the water thing. I used to do that. And so it's kind of nice for me. But like, we need to... T- when people say just wash your hands, that's not yeah. something that's so easy because you have to involve another person usually... If you have complex right. disabilities, like I have to call an attendant when I want to wash my hands. So that's a whole other level of risk and possible contagion. So, like, it's not as easy as just washing your hands. And we need to talk about that more. We need to find solutions for disabled people to wash their hands. Yeah. Is, like, do you sanitize or is that something you can do? Is that the same the same issue? That's not what I can do. I can't do it personally. But what I have the staff do, like around my computer area, just before we started talking, I had them take a big thing of, of Vim and like <laughs> threw like like just sprayed it across my computer because I was like, I can't do that. But at least I know that I tried. <laughs> so like yeah. I'm doing my I'm because if if I have any water or any. <laughs> If I have any water or anything, like, I'm going to make a mess. I can't do it. I have spastic CP, so if you give me a bucket of water, I'm going to throw it across the room. (laughs) So, like, there's there's no way that I can do that. But I can do do a basin. I can do stuff like that. So we really need – the conversation of hand washing goes so much deeper than just wash your hands. We have to talk about ways – disabled people can actually do it for themselves or with minimal help from a care worker. Hey, if you're going to create a hand-washing video, that's the hand-washing video you need to create. Me throwing water around the room? (laughs) (laughs) No, how you actually wash your hands. Like, with a basin and what what happens. That's a great idea. I might actually... I want to see your hand-washing video. I might actually text my attendant right now and be like, hey, you want to do that? Yeah, Guess what do else you mind if I film you? <laughs> yeah, can we just film you doing it? And I, I know the perfect attendant that would do it for me later. I'll, I'll set it up today or tomorrow. So yeah, <gasps> it's, a, it's a great idea. But I just think we need to have, like, this is what I'm saying. This is why disabled people are not part of the conversation when people say, oh, just wash your hands or just do this. There's a whole yep. bunch of other layers that disabled people have to consider that are not is not being talked about. And if those layers were uncovered properly by officials, maybe things would look different. I think. Totally, totally. Andrew, you've been so lovely today. I always enjoy talking with you. It's but such a pleasure. You're it's just so, so fun. fucking smart as well. Like you're just. Uh, I'm. I'm very happy to have it. If if there's a silver lining, I'm very happy to have an excuse to have you back on the pod, <laughs> at the I very mean, least. And it's so funny because because you and I were talking a few weeks ago about coming back on my pod. Yeah. We did an episode called 
what was it called? Something about kink on my show. And now I kind of want to do it with you, with you virtually. Like I kind of want you to like take the take the items that we look at and have me just look at them and be like, yeah, I guess I guess it could be like this. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Because, like, who knows when we'll be able to see each other in person again. <sighs> it's true. It's sad to think about. But, you know, we can fucking Skype, can't we? Skype is great. Skype also, is Skype so should... Skype is free. Yeah. So, I mean... I mean... Skype, you're great. Microsoft, thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Shout out to Microsoft. <laughs> Sponsor us both. Uh, so, okay, tell the people where we can find you and your podcast and all your other lovely things you do, Andrew. I keep fucking changing my stupid Twitter handle because I'm not sure what I want to be called. But for now, and it's probably not going to change because I got tired of changing it myself. It's probably, it's it's on Instagram and Twitter, which is where I'm mostly active right now. Facebook, I'm there, but I don't really care so much about it anymore. Yeah. Um, Instagram and Twitter is Andrew underscore Gerza. That's A-N-D-R-E-W underscore G-U-R-Z-A on on Instagram and Twitter. So follow me there. I need the followers. I'm almost at 13,000, and that's kind of cool. So help me get there. Um, and then you can follow my pod. Every Thursday I do regular episodes at Disability After Dark, wherever you pod. Uh, you can support the show on Twitter at DisAfterDarkPod. Uh, you can follow my website, andrewgerza.com. Right now, I'd love to do virtual talks about anything disability-related because I'm literally just sitting here. Yep. So I'd love to, to come and do a talk for you virtually. My rates are specialized because nobody has any funds right now, but I still got to eat. So if you want to support me in that way, I'd love to come and talk to you wherever you're listening from. Um, oh, yeah. Patreon. Patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark gives you the option of having the show one day early if you pledge $1 a month, and you can go as high as $5 a month, or as high as you want. I have some people that give me more because they love what I do, but I try to keep it really reasonable because I know my audience is mostly disabled and immunocompromised people that don't have a lot of money, um, yep. but I I definitely appreciate the support. Um I also want to do a bunch more shows around COVID, so if you're listening and you want to be a guest about how about if what you're scared about, what could, what what can we do to make it better for you? I'd love to have you on. Amazing, Andrew, you're the best. Um, for okay, for bedpost stuff, you can uh, go to the bedpost podcast on Instagram. You can email me at thebedpostsexshow at gmail Our YouTube channel is the Bedpost Sex Show. Our Patreon is the Bedpost Show. Um, my pro-doming stuff is pim.lady on Instagram and at the lady pim one on Twitter. I'm just like Andrew. I'm much more active on Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. I know Twitter. Has Twitter's become, where it's at, baby. <laughs> it's so much better than it used to be. I, like Instagram I is it. still cool, but I'm like, you're Facebook adjacent. I don't know how I feel about you, but exactly. like Twitter, if my numbers go down on Twitter, I'm like, oh fuck, I have to change my, I have to figure out what to do. <laughs> Totally. And uh, yes, of course, one last thing is um, my uh, lovely friend, Stephanie Copeland. She does original music on my podcast, so you can check out her stuff at stephcopelandmusic.com. And then, Andrew, one last enormous thank you to you. You're such a good friend, and I'm so happy to hear from you. It's such a pleasure to be asked to do stuff like this, because, like, we need more voices. So, yeah. Yeah. other people that want to come on the Bedpost podcast or my podcast who are disabled, who yep. are not me, 
reach out to both of us because we need we need more voices that are diverse fighting this thing and talking about this or just talking yeah. about sex coming on the show like I love talking with you because you find kernels of stuff from everybody that make you like that make you laugh and then we and then like it's so comfortable like when I'm on your show I just like I'm talking to my friend it's, I'm, we're not recording anything it's fine like it's really nice to just it feels so easy and it's not interviewee or weird like sometimes when I record with guests that I don't know <laughs> I'm very much like I'm very much like so tell me about this and I've written down the questions in here but like with you it's just a free flowing of information oh, or whatever yeah, so yeah we literally didn't plan anything but I was like not worried about it what bit Hello, <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh, I got, I got Laura. Want to talk for an hour?" <laughs> You're the best. Uh, so thank you, yes. Yeah, so thank you so much, Andrew, and thank you to everyone who's listening. We'll be back next week with another guest that I'm interviewing remotely about sex and sexuality. So we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar!